0: CHAPTER 35 OF THE PIONEERS BY CATHERINE SUSANNA PRITCHARD THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN RECORDING BY KIRSTY After the sales on the following Friday, when the dust of the yards was heavy in the air, and the stock horses stood in irregular drooping lines outside the Black Bull and Mrs. Ann Haggerty's, Davy made his way to where, on an open space of land, the church had been built. Wirreford had out its lights, garish oil flares, and rush candles, and the little fires lighted before the doors of the houses to keep off sandflies and mosquitoes smouldered in the dusk, sending up wreaths of blue smoke. He had made up his mind as to what he was going to do. During the week, Conal had been mustering and branding the cows and calves drafted from the scrub mob. Davy had worked with him, and many of the calves he had scarred with Maitland's double M were the progeny of his father's cattle half a dozen cows bore the D.C. brand under their thick hair. Conal had wanted to pay him off. He had told Davy that there was no need for him to burn his fingers with this business, and that he could run the mob to the border or to Melbourne across the swamp if the southern eastern rivers were down. But he was short-handed, Davy knew. A sense of obligation urged him to stick to Conal until the whole of the mob they had moonlighted together was disposed of. Connell had insisted on getting the cows and calves into a half-timbered paddock below Steve's the day before, and had run a hundred of Maitland's fattened beasts with them. He meant to make a start and have the mob on the roads early next morning. There was a race meeting in the long paddock behind McNab's that Friday. Connell and he had come into the Wirry to show themselves before starting off on their overland journey. Almost every man in the countryside was there. Davy wondered why the schoolmaster had not come down to the township with Connell and himself. He had been a different man since their return, very silent, scarcely staring from his chair in the back room, while Deirdre hovered, never very far from him, anxious and protective as a mother bird. She had not told him what had happened while Connell and he were away, how the schoolmaster had said to her one day, suddenly, "'It's very dark, Deirdre. Is there going to be a storm?' The sunshine was blank and golden out of doors. "'No,' she said, laughing, "'there's not a sign of one.' "'Where are you?' he asked, his voice strange and strained. "'Why, I'm here just beside you,' she replied. He put out his hands. "'I can't see you,' he said. "'It's the dark, Deirdre. My God, it's the dark.' For a long time he had sat staring while she knelt beside him, crying murmuring eagerly and tenderly trying to soothe and to comfort him but from that time the dimming and obliterating of the whole world had begun for him the heavy darkness had passed it was not all night yet but a misty twilight he had forbidden her to speak of it so that davy did not know Connell and steve had guessed but davy's mind busy with its own problems was slower to realise what was going on about him it had roused every loyal and fighting instinct in him to see his mother with that look of suffering on her face his father in the way of becoming macnab's prey losing all that he had gained through years of toil and harsh integrity by falling into the pig's trough macnab had set for him it was that stern righteousness of his his sober stolid virtue which had given cameron the place in the respect and grudging homage of the countryside That his wealth and property alone would not have won for him. They had cloaked even his meanness with a sombre dignity, and brought him the half-jesting title of the laird of Ayrmuir. Davy led his horse into the paddock beside the church, where the vehicles which had brought the hill-folk to the township were standing. The horses, out of the shafts, their heavy harness still on their backs, were feeding, tethered to the fence or to the wheels of the carts and buggies he stood beside the high old-fashioned buggy that had brought Mary and Donald Cameron to Wirreford. He rubbed his hand along Bessy's long coffin box of a nose, and told her, on a drifting stream of thought, that he had decided to go home, to ask his father to forgive him, and that he meant to try and get on with him again. Her attitude of attention and affection comforted him. The people began to come from the church. They stood in groups by the doorway talking to each other, One or two men came into the paddock to harness up for the home journey. Davy put the mare into her shafts. He was fastening the traces when Mary Cameron came round the back of the buggy. A catch of her breath told that she had seen him. "'Davy!' she cried. He saw her face, the light of her eyes. "'Mother!' he sobbed. His arms went round her, and his face with the rough beard, such a man's face it had become since it last brushed hers, was crushed against her cheek i'm coming home he said his voice breaking not now not to-night but in a little while i'll ask the old man to forgive me and see if we can't get along better davy davy she cried softly looking into his face a new joy in her own oh but they are sad days these have you heard what they are saying of your father they tell me that you have been over the ranges yes Davy said. She scarcely recognised his voice. "'It's because of father, because of what they're saying, I'm coming home. I won't have them say it, after all he's done. Do you think I'm going to let him lose it, if I can help it?' There was a passionate vibration in his voice. "'How did it happen? I saw you on Friday and followed you home.' "'Oh, my boy!' Her hand trembled on his shoulders. "'It was you, then.' "'What's come to your father, I don't know at all. "'He's not the same man he used to be. "'It's that man at the Black Bull. "'He's got hold of him. "'I don't know how. "'But he's been drinking there often now, "'and he never used to be a drinking man, your father. "'I think it was his disappointment with you at first. "'I'm not blaming you, Davy. "'It wasn't to be expected you'd do anything but what you did. "'I'm not blaming you. "'But there were the long evenings by ourselves after you'd gone.' he sat eating his heart out about it before the fire and i couldn't say a word he was thinking of you all the time but his pride wouldn't let him speak he was seeing the ruin of his hopes for you he meant you to be a great man in the district then mcnab began talking to him your father thinks mcnab's doing him a good turn in some way but i feel it's nothing but evil will come to us from him the sight of the man makes me shiver and i wonder what harm it is he is planning for us her voice went to Davy's heart. "'I know, mother,' he said. "'But it'll be all right soon. "'The old man'll pull up when I come home. "'I'll tell him I mean to be all he wants me to be. "'I was a fool before, "'though I don't think I could go on in the old way, even now. "'But he'll be reasonable if I go the right way about asking him. "'I've a deal more sense than I had. "'I've sobered down a lot, can see things straighter. "'I won't be having any dealings with McNab again, "'and I'll get father to cut him. "'The pair of us'll be more than equal to him, "'but I've got to finish my job with Conal first. "'It wouldn't be playing the game to leave him just now.' "'Is it Conal you've been working with, Davy?' "'Her eyes went up to his anxiously. "'Yes,' he said. "'Your father's been talking a lot about this work of Conal's,' "'she went on, a troubled line in her forehead. "'He says the schoolmaster's in it too.' "'McNab's been talking to him about it, "'and they mean to interfere in some way. "'He's talked a good deal about it "'when he didn't know he was talking, "'driving home in the evenings. "'But McNab's making a fool of him for his own purposes, "'and to do harm to Mr Farrell, I think. "'I was trying to tell your father that, "'but he wouldn't hear me. "'Oh, why have you got yourself mixed up "'with duffing and crooked ways, Davy?' "'What did he say?' Davy asked. "'I don't remember all of it. She swept her brow with a little weary gesture. It was all mumbling and muttering, and I couldn't hear half what he said. But it was to do with cattle. And to-day McNabb came over to the yards as soon as we arrived, and I heard him say, "'I've got word there's a mob with brands won't bear looking into to-night. I'll tell him and he'll get a couple of men to work with him. If he'll come round to the parlour, we can fix up what's to be done.' Davy jerked his horse's bridle, pulling him round to mount i meant to take you home myself to-night mother he said but i'll have to find conal and tell him this there's no time to lose i'll be all right davy she said tremulously i'll go and wait for your father at mcnab's he's there now and we're quite safe with bess taking us home she knows every inch of the way davy kissed her hurriedly he turned out of the church paddock towards hegarty's there was a dance in full swing and he thought that conal might be there but although a new fiddler was in his element and most of the young people in the district jigging conal was not he went back along the road to mcnab's outside in the buggy mary cameron was sitting she turned and smiled when he rode up to her her face had a shy happiness but the patience and humility of her waiting attitude infuriated him he swung off his horse and opened the door of mcnab's side parlour cameron was sitting at the small uneven table a bottle of rum and glasses before him. McNab on the other side of the table, leaning across it, was talking to him, his voice running glibly. The light of an oil lamp on the table between them showed his yellow, eager eyes, the scheming intensity of the brain behind them, the lurking half-smile of triumph about his writhing, colourless lips. Malachlan, leaning lazily back in his chair, his long legs stretched under the table, sat watching and listening to him. McNab sprang to his feet with an oath when he saw Davy in the doorway. "'Mother's waiting for you outside,' he said, lifting Donald Cameron by the elbows and leading him to the door. He turned on McNab with his back to it. "'I'll be looking after my father's affairs from this out,' he said. "'And you remember what I promised you if you interfered with me again? You'll get it sure as I live.' He slammed the door. Donald Cameron, stupid with McNab's heavy spirits, was unprepared for this masterful young man whose rage was burning to a white heat. He went with him, as quietly as a child. Davy helped him into the buggy. "'Keep him away from McNab, he said to his mother, "'and I'll be home as soon as I can.' She smiled, the shy, happy smile of a girl, nodded to him, and they drove off. Davy went back into the bar of the Black Bull, with its crowd of stockmen, drovers, shopkeepers and sale-yard loungers, where's conal he asked does anybody know if he's left the town yet there was a roar of laughter he was looking for you an hour ago Davy. a drunken youngster yelled gaily was in here and mcnab gave him a turn about the schoolmaster's girl mcnab was telling him you'd made up to marry her you should have heard conal go off Someone shouted where is he there was a sharpness about young Davy's question that nobody liked who mcnab no conal mcnab had come into the bar and was standing watching him his face livid round somewhere lookin for your blood the same jovial youngster who had first spoken cried seen him go up towards the store a while ago davy salt watson said slowly no one smelt mischief brewing quicker than he he had seen mcnab's face he knew young davy's temper and the sort of man he was growing he knew conal too and that no love was lost between them it was an urgent matter would send Davy looking through the town for Conal that way, he guessed, and knowing something of the business they had in hand, as an old roadster always does, imagined the cause of the urgency. McNab looked as if Davy's anxiety to find Conal had taught him something too. Davy flung out of the bar, he straddled his horse again, and went flying off down the road to the store. Conal was not there. Somebody said he had been, and set out for the hills an hour earlier. Davy made off down the road again, doubling on his track past the Black Bull. "'He thought that he would catch up to Connell on the road, "'and that they would be back at Steve's "'before MacLachlan and his men were out of Wirriford. "'The culvert over the creek that he had watched Bess shy at "'and take in her own leisurely fashion a week before "'was not half a mile from the outskirts of the township. "'The creek banks on either side were fringed with wattles and lightwoods. "'As the mare rattled across it, there was a whistling crack in the air.' Davy pitched on her neck. Terrified, she leapt forward. He clung to her, swaying for a while, yet never losing his grip. He knew that someone had shot him from the trees by the culvert. There was a sharp pain in his breast. Blood welled from it. End of chapter 35